Welcome to Sing Second Sports. This is pod number 11. My name is John Schofield. I'm the former Naval Academy PAO, Villanova graduate, and Naval Academy sports fan. Joining me is my co-host, Ward Carroll, class of 82, and our special guest, Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette. Uh, Before we kick this off, I'd like to remind you that this segment is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Liquors, one of the premier wine and spirits resources in the Mid-Atlantic region, having a large, rich, varied wine collection from many of the world's very best vintners. Mills is your choice for supplying your party, tailgate, boat, or Naval Academy class reunion. Mills, M-I-L-L-S-W-I-N-E.com, millswine.com, a proud sponsor of Sing Second Sports. So let's get right to it um, as we are on the front edge of everything that is breaking news in sports. Uh, Wags, I'll go to you for you know, what is probably a pretty large tectonic shift uh, in what we expect the fall sports landscape to look like. Go ahead. Well, as we were sitting here preparing to tape, I got word via Twitter a report that the Patriot League is going to cancel the fall sports season. Obviously, that is a major impact to Navy athletics as all of their Olympic sports play in the Patriot League. Um, I've already texted Navy Sports Information Director Scott Strassmeyer. He says that the report that is out there is not 100% true, but obviously something is happening. He's told me to stand by for an announcement, so I don't know what announcement will be different. Either the Patriot League is playing or they're not. I'm not sure how you can have half and half. So we'll see, but something is going on and is looking like the Patriot League is following the Ivy League lead and canceling fall sports, which would mean no Navy women's soccer, no Navy men's soccer, no Navy uh, volleyball, no Navy uh, sprint football. So a lot of uh, other sports other than football that are impacted. And that's a huge part of the brigade of midshipman life. I mean, uh, I, you all, Ward in particular, could comment better, but they have to have a sports period. So usually if you're a varsity athlete, your sports period is varsity athletics. I don't know if they'll practice to fulfill that requirement, uh, but yeah, not having fall sports is uh, devastating for the Navy fall athletes. I really feel for the women's soccer, men's soccer, volleyball players, etc. this is a sad news. Well, it's obviously a, a, a huge part of a, of a continuing shift in the paradigm for them or the dynamic for them that, first of all, no summer cruises this summer, which is, you know, a, a huge shift um, or, or just change from what midshipmen expect their summers to look like. And we've heard from a couple of our athlete guests who are, you know, now taking physics or, or you know, thermo or other classes that sound positively terrible during the summer months now instead of usually during the ack year and now fall sports um you know i don't know ward what would your prediction be do you do you kind of follow what we've heard a lot of other sports leagues both professional and amateur thinking about doing they they shift their fall sports to just the spring yeah i think that's one of the options but the pragmatic realities that i don't think have been fully thought through 
I mean, then what? Do you do a wraparound season? Um, I, I just think that as we've used the unprecedented word before, this breaking news is unprecedented. We had a sniff based on the Ivy League. Chet said as much uh, in an article recently that, uh, that we sort of keep our eye on, on other conferences like that. So this news, while amazing, is not completely out of left field. Um, and then the questions like you're asking, Wags, I mean, what do you do with that time? Do you do inter-squad practices? You cannot, intramurals cannot support every varsity athlete suddenly playing on hospital point. That's just not in the realm of possibility. So I imagine it would be um, exactly what we're talking about uh, with respect to inter-squad uh, practices. But what a bummer if you're a, a, a female soccer player or, or the other sports that are affected, you know? Um, and it's not like we can go, well, because I'm a, a blue chip female soccer player, I'll transfer to another school to preserve uh, my intercollegiate sports experience. Well, every school, certainly regionally, is being affected equally. So that's probably not in the cards. And as we mentioned, Wags, you were talking about the football season may or may not be affected by this. Well, it's not directly affected because, as you pointed out, Football is not part of the Patriot League, but I will tell you what, pay attention to the breaking news out of the Big Ten, the Pac-12, where it's conference games only, right? And, and so that starts to be, okay, what's the AAC's reaction? What's the status of the Navy-Notre Dame game? I know the soup has started to think about bringing the brigade back very early to start to do the isolation. There are some lessons learned already from plebe summer, I will tell you, I know uh, about, uh, you know, a dozen plus plebes showed up on I-Day as COVID positive. Um, so, um, you know, that didn't freak anybody out. They just, they have a process for segmenting that part of the plebe class and, and getting them isolated beyond the others that are isolating. And then once they clear testing, then they'll be reintegrated, then they'll start plebe summer. This coming weekend, they're going to actually start plebe summer. All they've been doing so far is isolating. So even as I say this, this is weird stuff that we're trying to deal with. Get the brigade back. Are they going to just do a straight no semester break until Thanksgiving and then come back after uh, New Year's, right? Uh, that's what other colleges are doing if they're going to get together at all. So I, we're, we're trying to figure out things that uh, there's no roadmap. And, and so uh, I think, the, as you pointed out, Wags, the breaking news here is Patriot League not happening. And then we're trying to figure out the logistical realities of that. And then what are the resonant effects on the signature sport for the fall, which is football? Yeah, it, it requires a certain amount of agility out of everyone. And you're seeing from institutions across the country that there are different standards being employed, different decisions being made sometimes decisions that appear to be unilateral. Um, so, you know, it, it certainly regionally here, uh, this comes right on the tail end of the University of Maryland uh, canceling voluntary workouts, particularly for their football team as nine athletes uh, tested COVID positive uh, over the past week. And, and Maryland went pretty high and right pretty early as you have to. And in canceling all of those workouts and, and trying to reassess the how worthwhile this whole thing is, you know, and then you balance it against the quote unquote, I'm using air quotes on our audio medium, you know, progress that has been made in New York where they're actually saying, Hey, we had a day 
for the first time since March where no one died, you know, and that, that just kind of puts the whole thing in perspective. Like if that's progress, if that's where we're saying, hey, great news, no one died of this thing today, then it almost makes you think, well, then who gives, you know, crap about Patriot League sports? Well, I'll tell you who does, Sing Second Sports and um, also, you know, the, you know, the three of us. So I, I guess it, it wags where, where I'm getting at here is, do you think it's worth it? You know, as someone who your profession depends upon this, you know, Ward runs the chain gang. Uh, you know, is it worth it to just try to find some sports in the midst of, in the midst of all this, or should we just, should we just say, you know what, wait until the winter? Johnny, I really don't know. I mean, I'm biased, obviously my, my life livelihood depends on sports being played and maybe not having Patriot League sports is a big hit that right there. It threatens my job. Now, if Navy football's playing, I'm good to go. Cause that's, what carries the day most uh, fall anyway, but uh, certainly losing Navy fall sports is a, is a big hit. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I didn't mention cross country. I, we can't leave them out. That's men's and women's cross country. That's two other varsity programs that compete in the fall. They would also be off. Um, you mentioned about playing in the spring. I, I don't see how is that going to work? You're going to, nobody's going to get the proper attention they deserve from anyone. How is Navy sports information going to staff varsity sports from the fall that are being played in the spring simultaneous to all the spring sports? It's not possible. That does, that compels in comparison to the Capitol trying to give proper coverage to all these programs. I mean, maybe men's and women's lacrosse playing at the same time as, Navy men's, women's, soccer, volleyball, et cetera. I mean, it's just a shame. I would hate to see the spring loaded up with both the fall and spring sports, and everybody's not going to get the, the attention they deserve um, all around. It's just going to be crazy. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I guess that's the only way to play the fall sports if they don't play in the fall, but it's, it would be nuts. It does make you wonder um, if you're a plebe who just showed up uh, or maybe even someone who just showed up to naps as an athlete, you know, how are you reevaluating your decision to go to a service academy if you can't play sports? I know a majority of kids don't go to a service academy because of sports, but, you know, it, it makes you wonder if, if some of the coaches out there, and we'll do our best here at Sing Second Sports to get as many of them from the fall sports uh, who are affected by this on the show to ask them. But, you know, you, you have to wonder if you start losing kids because, uh, you know, because of COVID, because of the lack of sports, because of just the uniqueness of this whole thing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's odd. And on that note, uh, Wags, I, I think, you know, there was yet another announcement um, of a transfer from one of the programs, this one affecting a winter sport. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, I'm actually working on this story today. Uh, Dave Kasangane, who's a promising men's basketball player at Navy, uh, announced uh, that he's transferring to East Carolina. Uh, Dave tells uh, on his social media feed said he just didn't want to be in the military, and he was he's going to he would have been a junior at the academy, so he was going to have to sign the two for seven papers, and he just wasn't willing to make that commitment. So, but Dave is a promising player. His playing time increased significantly toward the end of last season. In fact, as I got prepared to write the story, I went and checked. He played double-digit minutes in seven, uh, nine of the last 11 games. He played 16 minutes in the Patriot League tournament loss at Boston University. 
He had nine points in one Patriot League game. So, I mean, I thought Dave had some ability, some talent, and there was no question he would have been a valuable member of the rotation next season. So that's a tough loss for Navy men's basketball. Latest in, frankly, many transfers during the DeCellis era. Ed DeCell, Coach Ed DeCellis is – he, he brings in a lot of the players. He brings in, you know, in recruiting classes of 8, 10, 12 kids. Now, part of it is because he likes to use a JV program, a developmental squad, as he calls it. And, you know, that's a hit or miss proposition. Some of those kids develop and become contributors to the varsity. Others uh, show they can't play college basketball at that level, and they just stop playing, and they're just members of the brigade of midshipmen. Um, Kasangane was a guy who played on the developmental team as a plebe, but then as a sophomore, he became a valuable member of the varsity. So uh, a difficult uh, loss for Navy men's basketball because I do believe Dave would have been a key player next season. Yeah, for sure. Um, And and we feel for for Coach Richellis. He was on, I believe it was our second pod, um, ever and and he talked uh, glowingly about what he thought the team would look like next year uh, or this coming season and now obviously he's got to kind of adjust uh, based on that so um, yeah that's I, I I'm really fearful I, I don't mean to glass half empty this but I'm, I'm fearful that once the Patriot League you know once Wags's breaking story gets out there and and all these people find out that maybe the Patriot League is done and fall sports is done uh, that there will be second and third order effects that 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 truly do hurt um, you know the athletes who are playing at the Naval Academy uh, Ward any uh, last minute inputs of things that you were watching before we go to our first break I'm I'm kind of in shock here. I'd be interested to um, to sort of circle back with with Coach Karen and and because she was very sanguine when we spoke with her, but now that the reality of the Patriot League getting canceled settles in, um, you know how do we press on? And I think that she might probably answer it by saying we'll take the long view, and that a year from now, hopefully this is all behind us. We have a vaccine. We're in a new normal that allows Patriot League sports, et cetera. Uh, but right now, it's just uh, I'm just in shock. And, uh, and uh, this body blow that this pandemic is, delivers to us daily just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, it, it is a I, – I don't think we can lose sight of the fact that this is truly weighing on all of us. Um, there was a pretty big article in ESPN over the weekend about Michael Kopech of the uh, Chicago White Sox, who's like, I think their number one prospect uh, who deals with like depression and anxiety issues, you know, and they were very, very blunt, both the White Sox team and uh, ESPN and their story about how this kid is already battling things like this and COVID has kind of put him into a spin. Um, and I think it's put a bunch of us into a spin and, and we have to remind ourselves that it's really about everyone's health before it's about sports, but certainly having been lifelong followers and participants in sports, we wanted to continue. So we'll keep our eyes posted. And if there are any updates, uh, we'll go to Facebook live and put them out there as quickly as we can. Before I go to break, I would be remiss if I didn't offer some congratulations. Uh, Wags was talking about Scott's very dedicated sports information staff. One member of that staff, uh, Brianna Sorensen, yesterday had her own kind of significant 
event and that she checked into the NBA bubble down in, uh, down in Orlando. Um, you know, and she is now going to be working for ESPN right there in her own hometown. I believe she went to UCF. Uh, but she's going to be covering the NBA and, and the bubble games uh, for ESPN. And I think that's a credit to what Scott and the staff do in order to set people up for success. Brianna obviously did great stuff on video uh, and on social media for Navy sports to continue to heighten the exposure um, of Navy sports. And, and as we are fans of Navy sports, we appreciate what, what she did and where she is now going. And we wish her all the best of luck down there. Uh, going from covering the Dave Casanganes to Kevin Durant, kind of a kind of a big jump. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, for sure. I've got to come in with breaking news as we're wrapping up the taping of this pod. The Patriot League announcement has come through, and Army and Navy are exempt from the announcement. In order, I will read directly to you what it says. Stand by, I'll read. But it has to do with fulfilling the mission, and that kind of speaks to what we were talking about. What are these fall sports athletes going to do for their sports period? Here is the quote, the line, the paragraph from the Patriot League announcement. Because the United States Military Academy and the United States Naval Academy are unique in their environments and their missions within higher education, the Council of Presidents agree that the academies may continue to engage in competitive opportunities as considered appropriate by their respective superintendents. Wow. Um, okay. Well, then that um, that obviously opens the door for uh, for who schedules whom and what these coaches now do to leverage their network among other coaches in their respective sports in order to find uh, competitions going forward, competitions that are comfortable both for them, their players, and for the uh, potential opponents. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, as always, uh, WAGS has the uh, the breaking news, and uh, and we'll make sure that uh, we put out as many updates as we can on this um, and look in the Annapolis Capitol sometime today and definitely in tomorrow's hard copy for WAGS's complete story. We thank him again for always being on the front lines there. So we're going to go to break. Uh, when we return from break, we will talk to uh, maybe play-by-play announcer for football and basketball and lacrosse. We're really a, a, a jack-of-all-trades, but also a host on the, uh, the local Junkies radio show in D.C., Pete Medhurst. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a great conversation. So stick with us. You're listening to Sing Second Sports. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, we're back on Sing Second Sports. Awesome conversation there uh, in the first segment. Um, we are now uh, very pleased to be joined by Pete Medhurst. He is the voice of the Naval Academy. Uh, he's also the honor talent for 106.7 The Fan. Uh, he does uh, announcing at Rosecroft Raceway. He's been on the, the Nats radio network. Uh, lacrosse on the Big Ten Network, uh, but uh, most know him as the voice of Naval Academy football as well as basketball, but football since 2013 as the play-by-play guy. Pete, how are you doing today, and uh, what have you been up to uh, in terms of uh, working from home? Has it been completely from home, or have you been able to go into the studio? I'm, a, I'm essentially sitting in the chair that I've been in since March, working right here for my little home studio, and 
Um, you know, I mean, A, fortunate to be working in some capacity. Obviously, uh, lost all of the uh, spring sports season with Navy and uh, with the Big Ten Network and uh, Rosecross spring meet ended uh, prematurely. So we lost some of that. Uh, kind of getting back to normal a little bit this past, uh, the past couple of weeks. Started umpiring again. And uh, this past weekend, I filled in at Charlestown, and I'll be doing that uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night again. So starting to at least feel some semblance of uh, the schedule that we used to take. I got to admit, though, um, it's been great to work at home. Obviously, my daughter's been home because school's been out, and to be able to spend as much time with her uh, as I have uh, during the course of the day here uh, with all of those activities and being able to help her through her schoolwork when I can, because there is some stuff that uh, even as a sixth grader now, uh, makes you think a, a couple of times. But, uh, you know, working from home hasn't been all that bad. I know I've, sh I've saved a lot of money in terms of parking and driving to D.C. every day. So I'm not sweating it. If they want to keep me right here in this chair, I'm perfectly happy to keep working here. <laughs> as long as it's a comfortable chair, I'm sure. Yeah, so we, we were talking in that first segment uh, with Bill Wagner's uh, breaking scoop about the Patriot League. So obviously a, a pretty huge development there that impacts uh, really all of us here uh, and all of us as Navy fans, but mostly for you um, in, in terms of play-by-play. -play. Now this, this announcement about the Patriot League certainly doesn't necessarily affect the Notre Dame game yet, um, but you obviously can see storm clouds on the horizon. What were your thoughts on today's announcement? Well, I mean, I think when we've seen what the Ivy League has already uh, announced, I think other uh, Division three schools who share similar academic uh, goals, uh, as I like to refer to it as, they're going to err on the side of caution. Uh, obviously, the physical mission is very important to Army, Navy, Air Force. So I think what you saw within that announcement is our teams are still going to be able to compete. We're just not going to be competing against Patriot League foes in the fall. Now, obviously – for Chet and his coaches in the athletic department, there's a great challenge ahead now to actually find opponents that will play in the upcoming fall season because I feel terrible for our seniors who, uh, in the fall sports, and some of those sports, remember, start in fall, carry over to the spring as well, so we can't forget that. Uh, I would hate to see our seniors' careers end just abruptly uh, like that because of this pandemic uh, and what has occurred, but you have to understand and respect the decisions that these educators, uh, school presidents, athletic directors all have to make in terms of sports going forward. Now, obviously for Army and Navy, they, they do have a little more cachet within the league, and uh, it's going to at least hopefully get them some games and be able to participate some in the fall, albeit uh, in the safest way possible. But, you know, the fortunate thing is it is July. We still have some time until September really gets here. So, you know, we're hopeful. Uh, that this pandemic, uh, you know, can kind of usher its way out the door a little bit. We can maybe find some ways uh, to safely convene and uh, allow these student athletes, uh, especially the seniors, to go out on at least a positive note here. That's what I'm hearing too, Pete, in terms of uh, Chet and the NAAA staff burning up the phones to try to find opponents. Uh, the, the way it was framed to me is you want to have at least one game a week uh, for, uh, for the various sports that have been affected. So the second half of John's question had to deal with Navy football. So what's your sense of how the Navy football season can still be affected based on what just happened to the Patriot League? 
Well, the football, because we do not participate in the Patriot League in football, so I don't think that decision has anything to do uh, going forward. We'll obviously, um, you know, look at what the American Athletic Conference decides in football and go from there. Uh, Mike Oresco is one of the great trusted leaders in college sports. Uh, we know he's going to get together. He's always worked well with the school presidents and obviously athletic directors within the American Athletic Conference. They're going to do what they have to do. Uh, a to again, we're trying to ensure the safety of student athletes first. Now, whether that's playing a full uh, conference schedule, uh, we've got a lot of teams in our league, so we could line up a uh, a pretty full schedule uh, of just conference games if that's the case. But also, you got to remember about the American. The geography of the Americans is a little bit different than uh, some conferences. I mean, obviously, you go as far away uh, as Texas, you go down to Florida, places like that. So from that standpoint, those are the kind of things that they've got to decide and overcome if we go with just a conference schedule, as a couple of the Power Five leagues have already decided that they're going to do. So I think there are going to be people that will want to play you in respective sports here. Um, certainly regionally, I think people are going to be – wanting to come play uh, Navy in the Olympic sports. Football-wise, if, if the American goes in the same vein as uh, the Power Five leagues tend to be trending, you can do it. I mean, there's enough teams in the American to make a full schedule out of it. question is, do you want to go 11 or 12 games and push the envelope here, depending on what the situation is uh, with this virus? And got to remember, how much testing is each college campus going to be able to realistically do for their student athletes leading into an athletic contest on the weekends that may include travel some of which you're going to have to do by air because you're not busing to texas you're not busing to florida uh, to play games so those are all the things that you know each conference and and as they go forward uh you know that those are going to be the the key things that each conference uh has to take into account here uh before they can decide uh, how many games they're actually going to try and play. Chet has said today uh, that obviously Army-Navy is still very important. Every effort's going to be made to play those contests within each sport, uh, I think. So uh, from that standpoint, it at least gives you hope. But now the powers that be have to get with the medical people and, and really decide how realistic all of this is going to be and what they can do safely to try and give these student-athletes some semblance uh, of a season upcoming. So you brought up a quick point. If I can jump in on Ward, um, you, you mentioned travel as being kind of a prohibitive uh, or potentially prohibitive issue. So you just had the Big Ten, you know, go only to a conference schedule. And, and I don't know if they're absolutely held to only the conference, but would it, maybe you guys talked about this on the, on the junkies, the, the season has a giant asterisk on it anyway, right now, if there is a season, you know, so would it, is it a possibility, you know, if not in football, but, you know, in, in some of these other uh, fall sports to just talk to the University of Maryland and say, hey, you know, like, let, let's get the Crab Bowl back together. You know, I'm not saying that Lance Ball is going to break everyone's hearts with a, with a fourth down conversion in the end. But, you know, like, it, it, can, can that possibly happen or is it just too hard to, to get all those plates spinning and maintaining? Sounds going to be fascinating. Uh, clearly, geographically, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I got to imagine, Olympic sports-wise, Maryland, UMBC, Howard, Towson, uh, the schools in Pennsylvania. I mean, even somebody like Penn State might be interested in coming and play you in uh, some Olympic sports. That makes a, a, a lot of sense. Remember, even in the Big Ten's uh, platform now, 
you're talking about having to go from Rutgers out to the Midwest, even within the division. Um, so you've got to figure out how uh, you want to do that. And I, as I've said all along, and I mentioned even in the, you know, in the first segment about the academic schools, Division Threes, uh, the Patriot League, the Ivy Leagues. I mean, remember, the Ivy League doesn't participate in postseason play. They don't send their champion to the NCAA tournament in football. They can play football whenever they want. They can play in January, February, March, April, whatever. It's just football uh, for them. Uh, Army loses a game with Princeton. They had Princeton on the schedule there. That was the only one that was affected in terms of the Ivies playing uh, Division Ones. But, you know, from that, from that standpoint, uh, the scheduling and, and the regionalization now of scheduling is going to be fascinating because you want it, if you get Maryland and Navy together, you would want it, John, to be in a situation where you can maximize everything, where you can fill M&T Bank Stadium and go play the game. It doesn't really make sense for Navy and Maryland to play if only 10,000 people uh, can be there in this case just to play a game, in, in my opinion. Unless somebody just offered you incredible money from a donor standpoint, uh, from a TV standpoint, uh, the Ravens, again, depending on how many people you can put in the building, unless you just got some kind of amazing guarantee it makes no sense for either one of those schools to schedule a game where you can't maximize all of the marketing opportunities uh, around that contest, unfortunately. So what do you think of the idea of uh, moving fall sports to the spring? Does that have, is that a starter in your mind? It's only a starter if you feel you're going to be able to fill stadiums, uh, in, in my mind. I, I think in, in, uh, that all the school presidents so far, Sandy Barber up at Penn State, they've all indicated that spring is only a last resort. I got to feel that everybody else within the Division One ranks, all 130 schools play Division One football, probably feel the same way. You don't want to have to play football in the spring if you can, because remember, you're hoping you can come back in the fall of 2021 with full stadiums in play. Asking players to compete, especially the ones that are going to be NFL draft eligible in April, asking them to potentially compete in February, March, and April, a Trevor Lawrence, a Clemson is likely going to be the number one overall pick uh, in the draft. Um, you're putting those kids in a really bad spot if they are to go play in the spring or choose not to play because they want to protect their NFL uh, draft status. So fascinating situation sets up if you play in the spring. But again, to me, the only way that becomes viable is if you can guarantee you're going to be able to play in front of full stadiums in the spring as opposed uh, to the fall. Because there has to be, in my mind, a tremendous financial reward and a financial gain for these universities um, to move your uproot your entire football movement to the spring and actually play it. Um, if you can't play it in front of a full stadium, I'm not sure it really benefits uh, many schools to try uh, and do that. I know, as we've seen all along, I mean, look at what happened to the MAC. They had 10 games for the Big Ten that were all wiped out, guarantee games. Uh, schools like that, if there's no kids on campus or we have limited campus participation, you're not going to have anybody in the stands watching those games anyway outside of friends and family. And it almost behooves you not to open your stadium. It would cost you more to open your stadium to such a limited capacity um, than to just not open it, period. So I think you would have a lot of schools opt out of playing unless there was significant financial reward, as there is within the Power Five, uh, the American Athletic Conference, who's proven to be uh, a fantastic competitor. So, again, I think spring is last resort. Even if you play a limited fall schedule, it's probably better on your student athletes than playing a spring schedule where they would have to turn around just a couple of months later and get ready now uh, to ramp up for a fall campaign. 
So we've already lost a couple of sports across the country uh, at, at universities. You know, we talked on this pod a little bit about how Furman had to dump uh, lacrosse and thus it affected uh, Richie Mead, you know, our former lacrosse coach. You know, so based on what you're saying, um, do would you predict uh, the you know the death of certain programs? Uh, you know, lesser revenue generating sports um, at other schools across the country. Will this continue? And do you see it possibly affecting maybe? I don't, I would, at this point, based on the way admissions work at the Naval Academy, I'm not sure it will affect Navy, so to speak. I think every effort's going to be made, uh, again, because of the physical mission, uh, to continue to play the 33 varsity sports that we play. Now, obviously, we saw Stanford. Um, that affects Ivan Jasper's son, Jalen. They lose men's volleyball for this upcoming year. Now, for an athlete like Jalen, he's already part of the Junior Olympic program. Um, so in terms of his goals, those things are still probably going to be achievable for him. But for the other athletes within the program, obviously, it's, it's terrible. I think what we're going to have, you know, guys, is, is really uh, a simple situation where, you know, I think we have, we have football with 130 Division I schools. I think a lot of those schools are very limited in terms of their participation, even right now from a financial standpoint. I think the MAC has to take a hard look at what they're doing. You've even got academic people at Akron right now that are talking about saying they should be playing Division II football. And while we all love all that MAC action on our TV set on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night, and you know, we played Northern Illinois on a Tuesday, it was freezing cold in November. I'm telling you, there's nobody at those games. And those schools depend on those guarantee games that they play at the beginning of the season. Nobody's more intertwined than the MAC and the Big Ten in terms of those guarantee games. We have Greg McElroy on, uh, who played at Alabama and obviously now uh, is a college football commentator with ESPN. And he, he even agreed with me. He said schools like that in that bottom half of the 130 in Division One are going to have to take a long look at how they fund 85 scholarships anymore. And if there's not a lot of financial gain to stay at 85, maybe they choose to go down to 63 and compete with the North Dakota states uh, of the world um, at, at that level. So I think, I think there are some fascinating decisions that school presidents and athletic directors are going to have to make. Um, you know, and I don't envy the position that they're in. Uh, to predict what they may decide to do uh, is impossible. We've seen Bowling Green cancel baseball, but then they got enough donors to donate and bring it back. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, hopefully, um, you know, some of those schools can save themselves financially. I just don't know how some of them are going to do it, especially if a lot more of these guarantee games go by the wayside in the future. Absolutely. So um, before we let you go, and, and fascinating perspective here, Pete, thank you so much for, for joining us, and, and we've been wanting to do this for a while. I can't believe we let Mike Heary on here before, uh, before we had you on <laughs> Mike here. Heary's we, a lot we, better looking, and he's accomplished a heck of a lot more at the Naval Academy than I ever have, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, maybe his three-point percentage is a tiny bit better. But, uh, so if you, had to, if you had to guess right now, the other big story in, in sports, particularly in this area, is the, uh, the Redskins changing their name, you know, made it, you know, a typical Redskins fashion, in my, my opinion, all right, we're, we're definitely not going to be the Redskins anymore, but we're not telling you what the new name is. Um, yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on the name change, overdue, 
uh, long overdue or unnecessary? And then what do you think, what do you think the, uh, the leader in the clubhouse is for the new name? I've grown up rooting for the franchise since I came out of the womb. Uh, to see the deterioration of the quality of the franchise um, has been hard to watch. And the ironic thing is, it's not because Dan Snyder hasn't spent money on the franchise. He's done that. You want an owner that's going to financially support the franchise. It's just where he has spent the money hasn't worked out for him. Uh, because the alternative uh, we see in other places, teams don't win for years because the team won't invest. So you want to keep his money within the ownership. I mean, we can sit here and debate, you know, whether it's long overdue. I think in 2020, our climate now allows us uh, to correct some ills. Uh, it allows us to be more observant, better listeners, and understandable. While we may not agree with it in many cases, you have to understand and respect the fact that the term redskin does have a derogatory notation to some. You may not like it. You may love what it's been for the franchise and its history, but you have to respect that negative connotation uh, to other folks. And from that standpoint, I, I congratulate Dan for making that statement. Five years ago or seven years ago, he said in capital letters, write it down. I'm never going to change the name. So perhaps his ability to finally listen, understand the financial ramifications by not doing it. Obviously, FedEx has said, look, we're going to take the name off the stadium next year if you don't. Um, so uh, Dan really likes Fred Smith, respects the heck out of him. And uh, I think that hit home with him. And I think the franchise is going to uh, is going to make the change. I certainly think right now Warriors or Red Wolves, probably the two leaders uh, in the clubhouse right now, what they come up with the uniform scheme and logo, that's going to be a great challenge now to go market what is essentially a, quote, brand new uh, Washington football franchise at this point. And the challenge will be not leaving its great history and the great players that Dan loves so much and the alumni he respects so much of the franchise and not leaving them behind. So there are a lot of questions still to be answered there. The three-paragraph statement that was released today basically just guaranteed them saying, hey, we're going to change the name. Uh, ironically, Red Wolves is tied up in litigation right now between Arkansas State and Chattanooga SC of the USL. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't preclude Dan from using it. It just means he's got to get on the phone with Arkansas State and say, hey, we kind of serve two different audiences. Do you mind if we choose to go this route? We can co coexist with the name. Probably both sides agree uh, and move on from there. Question. He's tagged that. He, got, he trademarked that on the 8th, Red Tails on the 9th, and he did Washington Warriors all the way back December. So those three names, they've already applied uh, for trademarks uh, going forward. So we'll see what they come up with. I would imagine those are the three, though, that are certainly under uh, consideration. Yeah, well, you're you're much more of an expert th than I am, but I I remember with fondness back in the day the the Louis Carnesecca ugly sweater and Chris Mullen and Bill Wennington and and they were the St. John's Redmen and when they went yeah. from Redmen to Red Storm, you know everyone thought that it would be this you know this world crushing blow and holy cow this great storied program with all of these guys and you know eventually it was just the red storm yeah and and i doubt a lot of people really remember the 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 red men moniker so hopefully people around here can be you know just as understanding that change yeah i mean miami of ohio used to be the redskins they changed to the red hawks marquette was the warriors they changed to the golden eagles so we have we have some precedent 
for it. Yeah. Uh, Washington again, bullets challenge. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, and, and we all hated, we all hated wizards and we still do to this day. We hated that <laughs> copper blue, black, whatever color scheme that was there oh. for a while uh, when they changed uh, the name happily. They and the capitals have both gone back at least to the red, white, and blue uh, color scheme, but bullets to wizards was received like a FUD. Um, and Dan Snyder right now is trying to avoid uh, a, a similar fate here by changing this thing. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, again, Pete, thank you so much. It's it's awesome seeing you. We haven't seen you enough, obviously, since early March when this whole thing broke. But uh, we wish you the best of luck and the best of health going forward. And and we're looking for the next time to have you on here, hopefully to talk about a game that's just been played. Let's hope so. Appreciate what you guys are doing for uh, Navy Athletics and getting the word out there. It's been fun to follow this podcast so far. I look forward to joining you guys in the future. Awesome. Well, make sure you just put us out on your on your Twitter feed that has, you know, legions of followers and, and hopefully we'll get <laughs> some of our own. Pete Medhurst, uh, voice of Naval Academy Athletics, uh, joining us. Many thanks to him. We're going to go to break and when we come back, we'll wrap this baby up. You are listening to Sing Second Voice. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at we sing second. That's at we sing second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, we're back. Awesome conversation with Pete Medhurst, uh, play-by-play announcer for the Naval Academy uh, and local radio show host. Obviously, some good perspective there on all of the breaking news and and his his ideas of how sports pulls out of this tailspin, as we called it. Um, Awesome pod, uh, awesome 10 pods so far. Um, you know, I think that we've really seen this evolve very well. Um, we've talked to a variety of coaches, alumni, and, uh, and athletes, and, and we've certainly done it at a very unique time. We never thought when we started this pod that we would be doing it, number one, via Zoom, number two, via the pandemic. But then, number three, we never thought we'd still get the access that we got. And, and again, many thanks to Scott Strassmeyer and all the coaches and players and alumni for, for being available there. Um, as we wrap this baby up, um, pod number 11, I'm going to kick it over to uh, Wags. You had uh, one small clarification on Dave Kasangane, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of get everyone's last, uh, last impressions. Well, yeah, just as we were going through that topic, I left out two key points I wanted to make. Uh, Dave Kasangane initially will be a walk-on at East Carolina, so he's not scholarshiped. Um, I think he'll probably earn one. He's a decent player. I think he'll be able to contribute at East Carolina and he'll probably eventually go on scholarship. And uh, Dave is also from Charlotte, North Carolina, Audrey Kell High School. So he's going back to his home state. But, you know, when you talk about him saying, I just realized I don't want to be in the military, and that two-for-seven decision is momentous. You have to really decide, is this what you want for the next seven years of your life? Are you going to commit to five years of military service? And obviously Dave Casangane decided that wasn't for him. And, you know, I think Ward and maybe Chris Savello, our very awesome producer, could maybe, as graduates of the Academy, could talk about that. I'm sure they both pondered those two-for-seven papers before signing. I'll just jump in with, with two thoughts. One is on uh, Dave's situation, and the other is on the first topic that you guys talked about in the, uh, in the opening segment. And, and in my mind, they're very much connected. Th- this is the conundrum of being a Navy sports fan right um it is great to get very much into sports just like any other fan would around the country but i think ward would agree that 
um, it's kind of the devil and the angel on your shoulder, right? On one side is the idea that, hey, these kids come to school to, you know, be uh, Navy and Marine Corps officers. That's the primary focus and sports makes them better Navy and Marine Corps uh, officers and, and makes the whole experience for those going to school and those fans like us uh, more um, enticing and, and a more enriched uh, experience for everyone. So if Dave doesn't want to be in the military, hey, good luck at ECU. You know, let's focus on those that, that do want to be in the military. The second point, and probably the larger point is, um, I understand everyone's disappointment, but I guess as an alumni and um, somebody that still engages with the Naval Academy pretty regular, I can't think of a better place to be given the uncertainty, given all of the changes that are likely to occur over the next year than at the Naval Academy. To me, there is no better institution. And I don't mean to be a homer here, Ward, but I think that there is no better institution to address the ever-changing environment and pivot along the way that both prepares folks for the fleet, but also does the best it can to get any sports uh, in, you know, at, at an appropriate level. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think you're being a homer with that statement. I think that that's the fundamental truth about the, the Naval Academy. Um, and I think you frame it exactly, exactly right. For instance, yesterday we had a fire aboard the USS Bonhomme Richard in port in San Diego. And it reminds me that this profession, that the reason that high schoolers and prior enlisted come to the Naval Academy is to assume a role of the greatest consequence. That's not jingoism. That's not being a homer. That's the, the fundamental truth. And so when we talk about things like the cancellation of the Patriot League or these other things that, that we rightfully focus on here at Sing Second Sports, we do so, and I think we've done this across the 10 episodes, with the context of the greater calling. And so you frame it exactly right as we're bumming out about the issues that we're facing going into fall semester with the existence of sports or not, or are we going to have the Navy Notre Dame game or whatever. The truth is, as it just happened, you know, a couple of months ago when the class of 2020 graduated and went on to their accession sources and their flight schools and their sub schools, et cetera, there is an ongoing and persistent need for folks who are willing to step up and do the hard job of defending the country. So that's not going to stop. And so I agree entirely. If this guy wants to go to ECU, good choice. Don't sign a two for seven. For me, I was kind of, I got nowhere else to go kind of guy. Right. So it never really, uh, never really hit me that I could go somewhere else. Um, and I had a blast during my 20 years, uh, you know, in the Navy. I think you're framing exactly right, Chris. And, and that's the good news uh, as we end this, this particular episode, that, uh, you know, they're still going to get to go out and, uh, and do the nation's bidding. Ward, um, I'm sure as we put out the pod, I will find that Richard Gere photo of him crying to uh, Louis Gossett Jr. in an officer and a gentleman to capture the true context of your I have nowhere else to go quote. I think it's a GIF actually, available on Twitter. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to leverage my in incredibly good knowledge of technology in order to find that and uh, throw that out there. So, hey, awesome pod, a lot of news. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us again. Thank you uh, to Pete Medhurst. And one last reminder that uh, this pod is brought to you today by Mills Fine Wine and Liquors. They offer free delivery to your home, dock, tailgate, or Airbnb in Annapolis. And they also offer 20% mixed case discounts for wine. 
Please rely on Mills, owned and operated by Jerry and Jen Donahoe, who are class of 1994 Naval Academy graduates. Uh, that's it for Sing Second Sports. A lot of great news, a lot of good conversation. We hope you join us next week. Uh, for Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner, our producer, Chris Cervello, who does yeoman's work and, and Herculean tasks to get us uh, you know, produced and, and, uh, and released every week. I am John Schofield. We'll see you next week on Sing Second Sports. Please be safe out there. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. And we'll see you on the flip side. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. Thank you.